Much of today's population in the U.S. and substantial numbers globally have been programmed to see itself as special, entitled, and that every person is precious and unique, deserving of the good and the best. Because of this mentality, some have dubbed these individuals snowflakes, the logic being that when a snowflake is viewed under a microscope, each is unique, each is beautiful, and each is fragile and delicate. In large segments of the Christian ranks, this doctrine resonates, but today's snowflake gospel is not good news. One brother had asked for advice. He was a Sunday school teacher at a church whose pastor instructed his Sunday school teachers to no longer mention hell, the devil, or judgment. Only positive, uplifting, and motivational teaching would be accepted. In this doctrinal setting, the salvation message is harmed in a significant way. A brother in Christ once mentioned that some act as though God got saved in the New Testament. But the bare truth is God neither got nor needed to be saved. We did and do. Consider these following New Testament verses and tell me whether you spot any snowflakes. Luke seventeen seven through 10. But which of you having a servant plowing or feeding cattle will say unto him by and by when he is come from the field, go and sit down to meat? And will not rather say unto him, Make ready wherewith I may sup, and gird thyself, and serve me, till I have eaten and drunken, and afterward thou shalt eat and drink. Doth he thank that servant, because he did the things that were commanded him? I trow not. So likewise ye, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded you, say, We are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. First John chapter 2, verse 4, He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Romans eleven twenty one and 22, For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed, lest he also spare not thee. Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God on them which fell severity, but toward thee goodness, if thou continue in his goodness, Otherwise, thou also shalt be cut off. Revelations 20, verse 15. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. I think the snowflakes have left the room. Repentance and turning from sin and believing upon the blood of Christ for forgiveness marked the beginning of one's salvation, something Jesus calls born again in John 3, 3. From this point, the striving is expected, even required. Luke thirteen twenty three and 24. Then said one unto him, Lord, are there few that be saved? And he said unto them, Strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in, and shall not be able. Really, there are no snowflake Christians. Have you been born again? Have you been born a second time, this time of the Spirit of God? Will today be the day all your sin and shame are expunged and all of Satan's bondage is broken, and I mean every single one? Will today be the day you take up the cross and follow Christ? This marvel of marvels, this glorious eternal salvation is just minutes away if you follow this simple prompt. Click now on to Further with Jesus for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the kingdom of God. Now for today's subject. 
God said, Genesis 1, 26 and 27, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. God said, Jude 1, verse 13, Raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame, wandering stars, to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. God said, John 19, 30 through 34, When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. The Jews, therefore, because it was the preparation that the bodies should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day, for that Sabbath day was an high day, besought Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. Then came the soldiers and brake the legs of the first and of the other which was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they brake not his legs. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side and forthwith came there out blood and water. Man said, I'm special. I'm entitled. I deserve it. The God I believe in loves me no matter what I do. Now the record. Welcome to God Said, Man Said, feature 950. They will once again certify the absolute inerrancy of God's beautiful book. All of these glorious features are archived here in text and streaming audio for the edification of the children of God and as fresh bait for the fishers of men. Every Thursday Eve, God willing, they grow by one. Take advantage of four highly beneficial God Said Man Said features. One, you have questions? God has answers. Whatever your question, type a keyword into the search bar top right and watch the screen populate with related information from Adam and Eve to quantum physics. Two, Use the tell a friend feature above to send a message to someone you love. It's so quick and easy. Number three, imagine you can download nearly 352 hours of God said, man said features to your electronic device. Listen to one every day. And number four, sign up for the God said, man said weekly broadcast and fresh bread will be delivered to you, God willing, every Thursday eve. Thank you for visiting. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you. God said, man said, has been castigated in the past for openly contending with the world's gainsayers, suggesting that God and his word need no defense. But the scriptures make it clear that that is not the case. Jude chapter 1, 3 and 4, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation... It was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith, which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares, who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians 1 verse 7, Even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye all are partakers of my grace. Philippians 1, verse 17, 
but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. And how about 1 Thessalonians 5.21? Prove all things, hold fast that which is good. God said, man said, stands in defense of the gospel of Jesus Christ, including all of the scriptures from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, miracles and all, and especially the miracles. This is feature 30 in the God Said, Man Said, Jot and Tittle series. Thus far, we have listed 221 proofs that certify that God above all gods is the God of the Bible. Prepare for God Proofs 222 through 228. God Proof 222, Deuteronomy 4, verses 7 and 8. For what nation is there so great? Who hath God so nigh unto them as the Lord our God is in all things that we call upon him for? And what nation is there so great that hath statutes and judgments so righteous as all this law which I set before you this day? As with Israel of old, this promise extends unto any nation that would build upon the rock Christ Jesus. Yet carnal academics strive to erase all memories of America's Christian roots from the corporate consciousness. They have discredited Christopher Columbus, whose name means Christ-bearer, to King James, who commissioned the colonization of the U.S. under the mandate of the Evangelical Charter with the mission to bring Christ to the native population, to even their claim that George Washington was not actually a Christian. The following excerpts are from the David Limbaugh's book, Persecution, discussing early American schools and their decidedly Christian instruction, as well as George Washington's undeniable Christian beliefs. Not only were textbooks explicitly Christian, but ministers commonly doubled as schoolteachers. George Washington firmly believed in the indispensability of Christian training for good government. True religion, he said affords government its surest support. The future of this nation depends on the Christian training of our youth. It is impossible to govern without the Bible. The secularists will have a hard time explaining Washington's 24-page personal daily prayer book, The Daily Sacrifice, in which appears his favorite prayers in his own handwriting. A perusal of the pages of the little book conclusively shows that he was not a deist. His Sunday morning prayer, for example, ends with, Pardon, I beseech thee, my sins. Remove them from thy presence as far as the east is from the west, and accept of me for the merits of thy son Jesus Christ. Bless my family, kindred, friends, and country. Be our God and guide this day and forever. For his sake, who lay down in the grave and rose again for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. His Sunday evening prayer closes with, These weak petitions I humbly implore thee to hear. Accept an answer for the sake of thy dear Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And in Monday morning's prayer he asked, Daily frame me more and more into the likeness of thy Son, Jesus Christ, that living in thy fear and dying in thy favor, I may in thy appointed time attain the resurrection of the just unto eternal life. Other Washington quotes unmistakably affirm his Christianity. In a speech to the, to the Delaware Indian chiefs, he said, You do well to wish to learn our arts and ways of life, and above all, the religion of Jesus Christ. 
Congress will do everything they can to assist you in this wise intention. Washington urged the troops under his command to live and act as becomes a Christian soldier. End of quote. This last paragraph is from Donald D. Young's book, 365 Fascinating Facts from the World of Discovery. This was listed on December 6, 1884. During ceremonies today, an aluminum cap was set in place atop the Washington Monument. At this time, poor alu- uh, pure aluminum, excuse me, pure aluminum metal was rare and as valuable as gold. Aluminum actually is the most abundant metal in the Earth's crust, but it does not occur naturally in its pure form. In 1886, an inexpensive method was found for separating aluminum from earth minerals using electricity. The Washington Monument is 555 feet tall, with its once rare cap in place. Engraved at the top facing east is the simple message in Latin, Laus Dio, praise God. Surely, America was founded upon the rock, Christ Jesus. God proof number 223, Genesis chapter 7, verse 4. For yet seven days, and I will cause it to rain upon the earth forty days and forty nights, and every living substance that I have made will I destroy from off the face of the earth. They just can't connect the dots. Geologists now know that once upon a time, Nearly the whole world's population was annihilated by a global catastrophe. Their guesses, the magnitude of the destruction, is anywhere from 75% into the 90s. The record left behind of this global destruction is found in the fossil record, nearly all of which was buried in a water catastrophe. The following excerpts are from the April 27, 2019 issue of Science News under the heading... Fossils may reveal asteroids' aftermath. About 65 million years ago, an asteroid smashed into Earth off the coast of what's now New Mexico. Less than an hour later, a riverbed 1,864 miles away sloshed violently back and forth, swiftly burying fish, plants, and other organisms in the sediment, a study suggests. Signs of those surges and traces of the impact itself appear to be preserved in a thick layer of rock in North Dakota. Set up by the impact, a giant earthquake, equivalent to a magnitude 10 or even 11.5, sends seismic waves through Earth's crust, triggering the sloshing, researchers argue online April 1, in the proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. If true, the scenario would add a new kill mechanism to the extinction event that marks the boundary between the Cretaceous and Paleogene periods, uh, often called the KPG. At least least 75% of species, including all non-bird dinosaurs, died out. The team convincingly argues that the whole sequence of events took only a few hours. Furthermore, Berkel Vicky, paleobiologist and sedimentologist at the Smithsonian Institute in Washington, D.C., adds, Although dinosaurs tend to take center stage in the popular imagination, the KPG extinction is not a non-avian dinosaur story. It involved the demise of entire and complex ecosystems, end of quote. 
No, not 65 million years ago, built on unbelief's doctrine of uniformitarianism, but nearly 4,400 years ago in the days of Noah, as God's Word declares. Unless some might think the feature quoted has legs, we should point out the article in question is festooned with terms like suggest, appears to be, if true, if so, points to, may have, possibly, no way to know for sure, hard to verify, to speculate, and more. God's Word, on the other hand, does not equivocate. Genesis seven twenty one through 23, And all flesh died that moved upon the earth, both of fowl and of cattle, and of beast, and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, and every man, all and in whose nostrils was the breath of life, and of all that was in the dry land died. And every living substance was destroyed, which was upon the face of the ground, both man and cattle, and the creeping things, and the fowl of the heaven, and they were destroyed from the earth. And Noah only remained alive, and they that were with him in the ark. God proof number 224, Psalms 19, verse 9. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Much of the Christian world has cast off the authorized King James Version of the Bible for inferior and polluted translations. If you are not presently using the King James, God said, man said, recommends you review the Witch Bible series. The following paragraphs about the extraordinary discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls and what they meant for biblical translations are from the book, The Signature of God, written by Grant R. Jeffrey. If someone had asked a minister in 1947 to prove that the original Hebrew scriptures were copied without error throughout the last 2,000 years, he might have had some difficulty providing an answer. The oldest Old Testament manuscript used by the King James translators was dated approximately A.D. 1100. However, an extraordinary discovery occurred in 1947, in the, uh, the turbulent year before Israel became a nation. In Qumran, near the Dead Sea, a Bedouin found a cave that ultimately yielded more than 1,000 priceless manuscripts dating back before A.D. 68, when the Roman legions destroyed the Qumran village during the Jewish war against Rome. The most incredible discovery was the immense library of biblical manuscripts in K4 at Qumran, which contained every book of the Old Testament with the exception of the book of Esther. Multiple copies of some biblical texts, including Genesis, Deuteronomy, and Isaiah, were found in K4. Scholars discovered that the manuscript copies of the most authoritative Hebrew text, Textus Receptus, used by King James translators in 1611, were virtually identical to the ancient Dead Sea Scrolls. Aside from a tiny number of spelling variations, not a single important word was altered from the original scrolls found in the caves. How could the Bible have been copied so accurately and faithfully over the many centuries without human error entering into the text? The answer is found in the overwhelming respect and fear of God that motivated Jewish and Christian scholars whose job was to faithfully copy the text of the Bible. End of quote. God proof number 225, Job chapter 28, verse 25. To make the weight 
for the winds, and he weigheth the waters by measure. At least 4,000 years before the Italian Torricelli discovered barometric pressure in 1643, God was there. God proof number 226, Jude chapter 1, verse 13. Raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame, wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. God's Word is so marvelously intertwined like a beautifully and supernaturally sophisticated mosaic. In an earlier proof, we quoted Psalm 75, 6, For promotion cometh neither from the east, nor for the west, nor from the south. The one direction missing from the verse above is north, and it's missing because promotion comes from God. God and His heaven are located somewhere behind the north star in the third heaven. Dr. D. Young considers the stars in his book, Astronomy in the Bible, excerpts follow. The most familiar star in the northern hemisphere is Polaris, the north star. What is it that makes this star so well known? It is not the biggest star, nor the brightest, and certainly not the closest. Its distance from Earth is 350 light years or 2,000 trillion miles away. What is unique about this star? is that it does not appear to move. All of the other visible stars move across the night sky from east to west and also change positions with the seasons. However, since Polaris is situated almost directly above the Earth's north pole as the Earth spins, the star remains in a constant position in the northern sky. In Jude 13, the title Wandering Stars is given to false teachers. These are leaders who lead people astray. In a similar way, a literal wandering star is one that is of no use for navigation since it does not keep its same relative position among the other stars. End of quotes. Jude calls the false teachers wandering stars. God proof number 227, Gospel of John chapter 19, 33 and 34. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they break not his legs. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, and forthwith came there out blood and water. Is the Gospel of John an accurate account of Christ's crucifixion and death? In his book, The Case for Christ, Lee Strobel interviews Alexander Metherell, M.D., Ph.D., concerning the medical issues pertaining to the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, specifically the account of the water and blood. Several paragraphs follow. It was the clearest explanation I had ever heard of death by crucifixion, but Metherell wasn't done. Even before he died, and this is important too, the hypophalemic shock would have caused a sustained rapid heart rate that would have contributed to heart failure, resulting in the collection of fluid in the membrane around the heart called a, a pericardial effusion, as well as around the lungs, which is called a pleural effusion. Why is that significant? Because of what happened when the Roman soldier came around and being fairly certain that Jesus was dead, confirmed it by thrusting a spear into his right side. It was probably his right uh, side. That's not certain, but from the description, it was probably the right side between the ribs. The spear apparently went through the right lung and into the heart. So when the spear was pulled out, some fluid, the pericardial effusion and the pleural effusion came out. 
This would have uh, the appearance of clear fluid-like water followed by a large volume of blood as the eyewitness John describes in his gospel. John probably had no idea why he saw both blood and the clear fluid coming out. Certainly that's not what an untrained person like him would have anticipated. Yet John's description is consistent with what modern medicine would expect to have happened. End of quote. God proof number 228, Psalms 107, verse 2. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Down through time, arguably the world's greatest minds have said so. They have testified that Jesus is Lord. A few have been cited in this feature, and one more will be pulled from Lee Strobel's book, The Case for Christ. That was also the assessment of Sir Lionel Lucku, the brilliant and savvy attorney, whose astounding 245 consecutive murder acquittals earned him a place in the Guinness Book of World Records as the world's most successful lawyer. Knighted twice by Queen Elizabeth, this former justice and diplomat subjected the historical facts about the resurrection to his own rigorous analysis for several years before declaring, I say unequivocally that the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ is so overwhelming that it compels acceptance by proof, which leaves absolutely no room for doubt, end of quote. The skeptics will continue to deny Christ and his book because their deeds are evil. But God's word stands sure and unscathed and ever-present help in the time of trouble for all those who will call upon the name of the Lord. God said, Genesis 1, 26 and 27, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. God said, Jude 1, verse 13, Raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame, wandering stars, to whom was reserved the blackness of darkness forever. God said, John nineteen thirty through 34. When Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. The Jews, therefore, because it was the preparation that the body should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day, uh, for that Sabbath day was a high day, uh, besought Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. Then came the soldiers, and brake the legs of the first, and of the other which was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus, and saw that he was dead already, they brake not his legs. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, and forthwith came thereout blood and water. Man said, I am special, I am entitled, I deserve it. The God I believe in loves me, no matter what I do. Now you have the record.